1: Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with first time guest, my friend, Danielle Clark, who is the founder and chief digital disruptor of Influence Builder. Danielle, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Danielle and I met on LinkedIn, what, less than two months ago.
0: Actually, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago.
1: (laughs) It was very, very recent, but we've turned into great friends. We've had some wonderful conversations Mm -hmm. and, and that's why she's here because she's really good at some things that, uh, you know, I quasi know about, but want to know more about. So Danielle, first and foremost, introduce yourself and tell people what your, uh, influence builder business does, please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, so I've been a digital marketer for 15 years going on 16. Um, it may not look that old in some of my photos, but yes, I've been doing this for quite some time and influence builder, uh, has been around for a few years cause I moved into more of the influencer digital marketing space. And so what we do is that we, we really help thought leaders and small business owners, and even all the way up to tech companies build build platforms and powerful platforms. So online platforms so that they can poise themselves as thought leaders and authorities, and also just attract in their ideal clients and customers. So there's a lot of little pieces that go into it. We're very customized um, with with our agency. And then we go even more customized when we work one-on-one with CEOs and founders who want to be more of a thought leader. And so there's some coaching that's done there too.
1: I do similar things, help companies build thought leadership platforms. And I understand very much what you're talking about when you're saying, you know, you really have to teach these people some skills. So I do it mostly through social. I'm assuming you take it a little broader
0: yes we do so it's it's not just social although there's a lot to be said for the the power of social media platforms but we also do like event platforms so when it we work with a lot of speakers so a lot of my early adopters with influence builder were up and coming speakers who are now phenomenal speakers and you know they speak with um one of them even has a she's a she's a tv show now and she's she went on shark tank her clients go on shark tank she's a pitch master Um, and so working with her has been amazing and the transformation that happens, so that's, and that's more like the in-person thought leadership. That's a different type of, than just the digital. So, so we, we do work and customize based on, you know, what their goals are and where their ideal clients are and what is it that, that their plat, their overall platform needs and, and the social media comes into play too.
1: Cool. So you are an expert in what is termed attraction marketing, yep. And I've heard this, and I think I have an idea about it, but um, I know you have a slightly different definition than most. So take it away.
0: Yeah, it's you know attraction marketing is just it's just a methodology that we use, and you know, and we were talking about this. this the the co founder of HubSpot calls it inbound marketing strategies, and it is, um, but it's really about attracting in. It's a pull method of of leads and, and potential prospects. And we pull them in by educating them um, and also creating a personal connection. And so you can do that with both um, in-person marketing and then online digital marketing. So what this does is that it, it increases just the familiarity of your brand and, and the products and the services that you have. So and some people will call it hype. I, I I'm not much for teaching people the hype part of it, as long as as we're authentic with it. So authenticity is a big piece of of attraction marketing, or at least the attraction marketing that we teach. Because as I tell I tell this to everybody all the time, it's a lot harder to be who you're not than who you are.
1: Right. So I, I'm very much into the authenticity. Uh, I'm also, and and I phrase it, I think a little differently. Uh, Each of my touches uh, and those uh, that I coach, uh, I tell them to add value with each touch. So your education uh, pull method resonates very much with me. And, you know, if, if you're not being authentic, if you're not being educated, Mm -hmm. the attraction's not going to last.
0: No, no, because people catch on, (laughs) catch on. And, you know, as much as we think that people aren't listening, I mean, people are listening and they may not know immediately what feels off, but they're like, well, wait a second. Didn't that person say the exact opposite last month? And so there's always that underlying piece is that if you have to keep remembering what it is you're saying or who you said it to, um, then you're probably not being really authentic and you're probably not coming from a place of expertise
1: okay so um it sounds in some ways similar to other marketing methods but there there's a difference between regular marketing and attraction marketing what from your perspective what would that be
0: yeah so it it just depends like what kind of marketing you're into so i mean there's inbound marketing there's outbound marketing um there's the push methodology of marketing which is which is not at all what what we teach and the push methodology is a lot of times it's a it's a numbers game it's a going after the sale or going after the ideal client and kind of pushing your content your information your product onto them and Um, Me just saying that the way, the way I'm saying it, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, even in the LinkedIn sphere, right? Because it's, it's usually more aggressive and it's not a come into me and learn from me. It's not putting out your content or your services in a way that has people like raising their hand, like, yeah, I, I'm interested. Um, Instead, it's just, it's just kind of throwing up on them, metaphorically, right? (laughs)
1: Uh, i uh, agreed um but you know it it's like um you've probably run across this, you know when I teach people uh when I'm talking about content marketing you know the ad value message, don't add a sales message at the end, and invariably mm-hmm. somebody in sales is gonna get a hold of that copy or that webinar or that white paper, and they're mm-hmm. going to insert that sales message at the end and it devalues from my perspective, it devalues the content that you've just put in front of them.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, and so we use the term, and you probably use this term a lot, which is like call to action. So CTA. So I I like to say you want to put a CTA at the end of any of your messaging, but that's, that's different than a sales message. A sales message is go buy this. Uh, A call to action is, go and take some action on what I just educated you with. So we do that a lot of different ways. But I mean, when you, when you give them really good value, really good education, and it's something that they absolutely need a solution to, and then you just remind them like, well, this only works if you put it to work. And so that's what a call to action can be, or it could be more education that they need to do on their own beyond what you just gave them for information. So Um, I completely agree. I think a call to action makes the most sense just because most people aren't going to meet you, say, I like what they're saying and then come in and buy from you. They still need more touch points. So a a sales drop at the end of that kind of education doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: No. And again, you know, I, I think it just turns off a number of the people who just bothered to read through whatever you've sent. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off-Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Danielle Clark right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off-Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Danielle Clark of Influence Builder. Um, and between takes, Danielle and I were talking about um, relationship building in the market and and why the traction marketing is is so attuned to that. So you you told me that attraction marketing is a lazy marketer's way to go for easy sales. What do you mean by that?
0: <laughs> because so I and I've said this and we both kind of laughed because I think it resonated with both of us. Is I'm actually pretty lazy when it comes to my my sales process and and marketing because I, I would rather focus on the relationship builds. So I'd rather focus on just getting to know somebody, understanding what their pain points are and what solutions they think they need, um, what they don't know that they need, and and then coming to a place of, well, you know, X, Y, and Z may get you there, but it's all about, you know, customizing and working from there. And so it doesn't feel like I'm marketing. It doesn't feel like I'm selling. Uh, it does feel like I'm being kind of lazy and just, you know, chit-chatting with people. Um, yeah. I have a very good close rate with that type of marketing and sales process Uh, and a fast one too. Like that's the other thing because the trust factor um, is there and I'm able to break down the barriers because I'm, I'm asking open-ended questions and they're telling me what they need rather than me inserting into their, you know, into their mouth, what they, I think they need. They trust me. We come to a great solution for them. And the hiring happens from there. So, yeah, it's a little lazy. I don't have a checklist when I do these sales calls or when I have these conversations. And and sometimes it's it's a complete surprise to me when I walk away with a sale. I'm like, oh, great, that was easy. I didn't so, even try. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, rather than ask uh, rhetorical questions, mm-hmm. you go for the open-ended variety. Absolutely. So yeah. are, when, when you're asking the open-ended variety, are you asking them about their pain points? What are, What are the types of questions you're asking here?
0: Yeah. And the pain point question is like a no-go for me. So I, because as soon as I do, and I've tested this too, as soon as I ask like, hey, what's your biggest pain point? Come right out and say that. Then you can see their guard go up. And I read people's body language really well. So I know, what they're thinking even if they don't know that they're thinking it because their body will give them away and their facial features will give them away so the the open-ended question starts positive so it's like oh i really loved this article that you wrote and i'm really curious to find out how you came to to this idea and so they'll answer me and there's usually a story behind it right and so within that story they'll usually tell me the pain point. And I don't have to ask for the pain point because I've opened them up to tell me a story. And so then I know what their pain point is or where their struggle is. And so then I can ask another open-ended question. That's amazing. And it sounds like you were struggling with this. Have you found a really great solution through, through all these things that you tried? And so they'll either say, well, you know what? Actually, I found this, but it's still not working. And so then I can go into a conversation of... Well, we could talk about maybe some of the things that you haven't tried and see if that works for you. So it just becomes a conversation and it's really about finding a solution. And the thing is, is that I can hand deliver a solution to them. The part where most people struggle is implementation. And so I'm a high implementer. And when we come to that place of that sounds really good and I understand it, then comes like, can you implement it do you think that you and your team can implement this well i don't have a team or my team doesn't know this and then it's an easy well me and my team do and we're we're implementers and we can help you put these processes in place and teach you guys along the way and so then it moves into that sales conversation so um i have no problem telling people the strategy because I know that the implementation is like the really tough piece. And even when we go into implementation, there's so many little pieces that need to get customized or um, that maybe need another look. I mean, when we're talking about like LinkedIn and social media platforms, the messaging has to be on point. And so messaging tends to be really challenging for most people or um, it ends up being a block and they don't think of it like you and I think about it where it's just a conversation and so they need that coaching or they need um, maybe some examples to get there and and then just setting it up so that there's, there's metrics and there's KPIs that can show us like the AB testing. So we know which way to go, um, which hashtags to use and we know which one's working and then we can rinse and repeat what's working and let go of what's not. It's just a science experiment. So, which is actually my background science. So everything's a science experiment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everything's a science experiment yeah. like that, so you know take it a step further are you selling are you when you're doing this, you're selling yourself right? you're selling your processes, yeah, okay so what do you do with with or do you do anything with people who are hesitant about content or they're hesitant about social in general?
0: Oh my goodness. It's like every other client that's hesitant about that. It's very interesting. So I have a couple of recent examples too, with my clients and I've made them step in their founders. There is a SaaS company and they are very introverted, which makes sense. They're software engineers by trade. That's what they do. And to them, they don't have the content and they, they, They don't have the, the, the speaking gigs and all of that. It's something where they focus on making the best product and software imaginable and putting all their focus into that, which is great. However, you can only scale so much with that piece. So hesitant about getting out there on social. Oh yeah, these guys were completely. Uh, Like, no, I'm I'm not like anxiety. I'm not going on stage and all this. And it, it really didn't take much to turn them because I said, well, let's just look at it this way. Instead of it being you're anxious or you're worried about what you're saying. I want you guys to kind of shift that into what happens if your ideal clients never get to see you or your content and therefore not your product. And that shifted them very, very quickly because it made it about the customer and less about them, and they're all about their customer, which we, we all should be. We should all be thinking about what is it that our customer needs? What is the end goal for, what's the ideal end goal for our ideal client? And then reversing from there and figuring out the marketing and the attraction marketing and the steps that we need to get them to their goal. And so that's that's just the process that I use. And wherever they're blocked up or they're resistant, is it's going to be the same process where let's think about the customer and what they need first.
1: Yeah. I, I had a gig with a uh, think tank company once and they wanted their, their, and this, this place is like walking into the big bang theory, right? (laughs) Everybody had multiple PhDs (laughs) and nobody made eye contact. Um, So, you know, once I showed them that social media, particularly LinkedIn did not require human contact, Mm-hmm. They opened up. Yeah. Um and I had I had people winning task order business from contracts from their LinkedIn profiles by the time I was done with them.
0: Yeah. That's so, amazing. But it,
1: but it took a while. I mean I mean, you know, when I literally they would not make eye contact with me the first two or three times we met.
0: hmm So <laughs> are they looking at their shoes or are they looking at were they looking past your head
1: (laughs) and anywhere but me you know maybe i'm intimidating i wear all black everywhere i go um and i'm not small Uh, so
0: not johnny cash it's the other one before him which right Brenner. there
1: you go we've we've been there you're one of the few people (laughs) that know that
0: now a lot more people know it. I made mean, you say it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you did. Now I blabbed. Yeah. Um, but now have they'll that, have to go. I have that
0: effect. I have that yeah. effect. <laughs> You'll,
1: they'll have to go back through Yul Brenner movies to figure out which one. So
0: Sounds like anyway. my Thursday night. I'm going to have to go and watch one. I'm like, that's, yes, that's his persona. I got it.
1: There you go. All right. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with my friend Danielle Clark of influence builder find danielle on linkedin reach out connect uh have a conversation i guarantee you'll enjoy the conversation we'll be back right after this welcome back to amtower off center on the federal news network i'm here with danielle clark we're talking about um basically attraction marketing but there there's a lot of components to this so talk about how how you use buying personas uh, yeah. when you're working with companies.
0: Yeah. So it, it, it all comes back to the customer. I know you and I talk about this all the time where it comes back to what is it that the customer needs from us? The other piece is that we do need the customer to take action and it's really challenging to, to script this for all the different personalities that you could be selling to. So we've come up with some quadrants that we use for you know their personality style and then their buying persona style which is which is different so we can put it bring it back to basics with their personality and use the disc so the disc personality assessment is in a quadrant you've got your dominant personalities your influencer personalities um you've got your conscientious or your concise ones and then your studies and so um they all have different personalities i can usually tell which personality is matching that person with just a couple questions. And then like, yeah, oh, you're definitely a, definitely a D personality. You're very driven and, um, there's no question where you want to go with things. And so you can kind of take that personality style and bring it into sales personas, but it's a little bit different. The personalities don't always match the personas. So you can ask some really good qualifying questions to understand their sales persona but when you understand their sales persona then you can you can guesstimate how many touch points they're going to need before they buy from you you're going to know what kind of words you use in the messaging that's really going to attract them in more um and then have them take action and you're going to know what's going to keep them attracting into you if it needs to be like a longer sales process and and I've heard this there's different touch points for all the different industries so um, I know government has like a 20 point touch point. that's there's 20 touch points that need to happen on average. whereas for for consulting and um, and for small businesses, it's more like what eight to twelve. so about half of what it is for government. So I can tell pretty quickly that we've got buying personas in government that are very much either the methodical. and I'm gonna say mostly they're definitely going to be methodical or humanistic. And so methodical, they ask a lot of questions. They ask a lot of questions. They want proof of concept. They want proof of ROI. They want to know exactly what they're getting. They want to have the bullet points underneath what exactly what they're getting. And the process is a back and forth conversation. So there's got to be, they got to, it's, they got to believe you and they're going to test you along the way. That's the best thing about methodical is that they're going to try to trip you up in the sales process to see if you're real. So. Knowing that, knowing that that's who you're working with, then you can can really attract them in with authenticity, with facts, with more data, with more sales calls, with proof of concept, proof of ROI, and then testimonials are always good. And you know what? These guys are probably going to want to have a referral or two. So having that ready is going to help you in that sales process. And why not? Because it's gonna be 20 touch points anyway, so you need the material. So that's, that's a good way of kind of understanding that the other one is humanistic for the longer touch points. And whereas the methodical is more, it's, it's kind of task, it's a checklist and they have a checklist going in their head of what they want to see before they buy humanistic is, is that they're not going to care about what it is that you're, what you're selling them until they know that you care. So they're really the mission-based ones. Um, they're the ones that they have people they're responsible for. So they have to make a really good purchase decision. And they, they're they going to test you and see if you really are about the mission or are are about them as the founder or you're about the team. And so they're going to want to see that evidence. And because it's a relationship build alongside information, that's going to require Um, a lot of touch points too. And so depending on the industry, I've seen the methodical and the humanistic buying personas take anywhere from six to 24 months. Some, I mean, I've even had clients that said that their humanistic buying personas take five years to buy. So it's really good information to have. So, and I, and I tell everybody, I'm like, you definitely can't build a business on just a methodical buying persona and a humanistic buying persona, especially if we're looking at like a 24 month turnaround for that sale. So you're going to want to figure out which of the other two, which is usually the top of the quadrant your, your buyers are as well. And so we've got the other two, which they're more fast moving. They buy faster. And the first one is competitive. So the competitive, they they want to know how you're going to help them stand out as the big competitor, how you're going to help them take action, and they're going to get a, an immediate ROI. They're very much action-oriented. They do like facts. They don't want any fluff, <laughs> so no fluff. So it is another checklist type. Um, but you will really attract these guys in when you say, this is, gonna, this is gonna help you get to the top of your game. You're gonna stand out more. You're gonna stand out faster. Um, you're going to be the one everybody's coming to for this particular need. And so that will really attract them in. And they'll come in um, much quicker. I mean, I've had competitive buyers come in after one touch point. They saw me on a live stream, liked what I had to say, came right into my inbox and said, let's jump on a call. I'm going to hire you. Um, I'm usually really surprised and I'm, and I'm always a little hesitant. I'm like, really, you don't want to you know, go check out my website or anything, which is under construction right now. So, um, but no, they they really are like, no, she's going to make me competitive. So yes. And then you've got the other one that works really fast and that's the spontaneous. So the spontaneous is that they really want to know how you're going to move them to the next level. Um, you're gonna have, how however you're gonna you're gonna move them forward. You're gonna help them create an impact. You are about the mission, so they do like it being about the mission and they are gonna buy once they have a good feeling. So it, it's a little more of that feeling buying um, than it is a a logical buy. Um, like a gut feeling like I really gotta I really gotta hire this company and I like everything they're saying. I like them as a person. I like them as a person. I like them as a brand. I like them as a company. Um, I resonate with them. And so you'll find a lot of things like like-minded work. Um, you'll find things like impact-driven work for words. Um, another good one for a spontaneous buying persona is that trust your gut. Trust your gut. What is, what is it that your gut is saying? If it's saying that you know this is what you need, then let's have a chat. And so that's a way to kind of attract in that buying persona um and knowing which buying persona your ideal clients are and then how long does it take i I mean i think i think for competitive and spontaneous at most it's like six months they're not going to sit on something even that long i i don't think i've seen them go past three months but again i'm just one person with only so many perspectives And when it comes to like, even like government where it could be long, more touch points, it could take up to six months, but it's usually not more than that. I don't think I've seen it. Usually it falls into a methodical or a humanistic at that point.
1: Yeah. On the government side, you also, you know, you have to be careful who you're pitching because you need the contracts that that agency uses to, uh, to complete that process. And, uh, yep. you know, sometimes you're just talking to the wrong people because they don't have access to the contracts you're on.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's Definitely. all, I mean, the sales process is always changing too. It's always changing. It doesn't matter what the industry is. And, and I am, I don't know if you're finding this too, Mark, but I'm finding that it's more and more touch points every year. There needs to be more information or more um, calls or, more testimonials or more proof every year it's it just and i get it i mean people get to be thoughtful and even somewhat cynical when they're buying they should be because it's there's a lot of competition out there
1: there's a lot of noise that's that's Mm -hmm. for sure um so i want to talk about the noise part on the next segment, because I don't want to start it now because we're close to a break anyway. So we're going to take a break. You're listening to AM Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Danielle and I will be back to wrap up right after this. I'm Justin Doubleday, host of Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. My show features interviews with leaders and top thinkers in the intelligence community. We'll break down how agencies are adapting to new technologies and confronting 21st century challenges. Listen live on 1500 AM in the Washington, D.C. area and everywhere at federalnewsnetwork.com. You can also subscribe to Inside the IC on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Danielle Clark, founder, chief digital disruptor of Influence Builder. Uh, Danielle is on LinkedIn, uh, very actively on LinkedIn. So uh, please reach out and connect. And again, we've only known, I mean, you reached out to me just two, three weeks ago, and I looked at your profile and I was fascinated and I said, let's talk and we did and then we did again Mm -hmm. and then we did again uh and and now we're here which is cool so that's kind of the power of linkedin profiles that have little or no information don't Mm -hmm. use the background the headline says sales weenie at company x and and you look for no about section you Mm -hmm. look for details and there's nothing Mm -hmm. what's wrong with this picture (laughs)
0: <laughs> because they kind of look like a stalker is what's wrong with it. <laughs> and I think I've heard that before people say that. I've heard them say I didn't connect with somebody because they didn't have a profile picture and they didn't have a cover photo. And so I didn't trust them. So it's really interesting how many profiles are are like that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet people people still just don't do it. Like they just want like a checkbox. Like here's my LinkedIn. <laughs>
1: yeah and i've been doing a lot of presentations recently on personal branding Mm -hmm. and it's basically the same thing everybody has a personal brand right Mm -hmm. and it's something that you have a decent amount of control over when it comes to social media how Mm -hmm. you present yourself and Mm -hmm. so many people choose not to manage that process yeah and what what would you say you know How do you start managing that process? You're, you're, you're talking to a potential client.
0: So to, to manage your, your personal brand or to manage like your company brand or both.
1: Uh, Let's start with your personal brand. How do you present yourself on social media?
0: Yeah. And you know, and, and I'm all about being yourself also for LinkedIn, you do need to have like a professional headshot photo. Like you do need that. Uh, It does make a difference. You don't, As much as i do do selfies because i'm on all the platforms a selfie on your linkedin is not the way to go it it just isn't and and
1: especially the selfie (laughs) behind the wheel of a car
0: oh my goodness can you just imagine so so i'll just leave it with this on linkedin you definitely want to make a good impression a positive impression and so a very nice clean headshot photo um goes a long way And then because we're visual people most not all people but a lot of us are visual you also want to have a banner that somehow relates to what it is you're doing right so in some way it can be it can be goofy it can be it can be clean it can be you speaking but you want to you're setting this the tone the mood for the rest of your profile with those two visuals at the top so they're very important they're essential so you might as well just make sure you put them up there
1: (laughs) yeah i i agree the the whole i mean your eyes gravitate to a graphic Mm -hmm. rather than to a text yep and every everybody is pretty much that way so the other thing on you know when that opening screenshot occurs so many people don't use the headline the line immediately below your name is Mm -hmm. editable space and there's a lot of room there To do things so i tell people to say what you do not your job Mm -hmm. title but what you do who you do it for and that's kind of the bare minimum
0: yeah and it's great because a lot of people don't know how to brand themselves or market themselves or they're embarrassed to or whatever comes up for the blocks and and so i can completely empathize where you're coming from like just get something there um, and, and I, there's so many different, ways to do this. And what I, what I like to do and I tell people, if it's part of your personality and usually your personality is like you, you like to network, um, then you're going to put something that is a icebreaker, so to speak. And so one of my icebreakers and it's, it's on one of my other profiles, not necessarily the one that you see, because I, because LinkedIn is not gonna let me build my other one. Cause we're almost at 30,000. So I'm building this one, but my other one says, how's your digital marketing game? That's it. It's a question mark. And then I have Danielle Fitzpatrick Clark, digital disruptor, and it's lovingly given to me. I did not take that one myself. Somebody gave it to me like, Oh no, you're totally this, but that itself, the title is a, is an icebreaker. So again, with att- attraction marketing, people are coming to me and DMing me and asking me, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a digital disruptor? And thank you for asking about my digital marketing game. It's meh or it's awesome. Um, Or I have some questions. And so I use mine as a icebreaker so that people come into my DMs and talk to me rather than me having to chase them down.
1: Cool. So when I'm helping people build or write the about section, I consider Mm -hmm. the about section probably the most important verbiage on the profile Yep. I get them to tell a story in first person. I want them in this. This is where you expand your headline. Not only what you do, who you do it before, but why you do it. And if, if you have passion for what you do, and God, I hope you do mm-hmm. start to display it. I coach a lot of people in a lot of companies on LinkedIn. I absolutely love this sandbox. It's my yeah. favorite place to play.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're so right about the about section because it's, and I love how you're positioning it the way that you are, because it's it doesn't sound like a resume. And so I think people make the mistake of the about section sounding like a resume. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yes, that's that's how LinkedIn started. But it's really grown into something where you need to share pieces of yourself. So it goes back to the personal branding. And I mean, how can you really personally brand yourself if you're not willing to share pieces of yourself and i think that's a great place to work with about section
1: it goes back to everything you were saying about authenticity so and you got to be authentic throughout your profile so you know your your background area if you have you know if you speak pick a shot of you speaking somewhere where you're engaged with the audience Mm -hmm. um let's Let's go back to the background area. what else? Yeah. What else do you see there?
0: Yeah, so I like the background to match the title in some way. Um, and it doesn't always have to. So the other thing is is that if if you're like me and you're running like events or you have um a podcast or you have something that that moves people into getting to know you more, then that's a great banner too. Um, most of the time it's gonna match your title. And if you have a little bit of a different title, then, some of those event pieces like maybe you don't put podcast host in your title but you have a picture of you with these headphones on that we have right now right Um, so i think it can still work it's just we're just trying to move them over so they can get to know you more but most of the time i do like it to match so if you're a speaker then like you're saying a banner with you speaking makes so much sense and you can even put your number up there for inquiry sakes right if they want you to Mm -hmm. come and speak then that makes sense um so you work with a lot of tech companies and so something in the banner that showcases the tech that they work on or even the ideal clients in some kind of a landmark or something makes a lot of sense too it's very simple it doesn't have to be overdone it doesn't have to be jargony or salesy um in fact you're I've found that it actually converts better when you're not like that, because people look at that and just like, Ugh, I know what I'm going to get in the DMS. <laughs> I'm going to get a sales pitch. And, and so it's that immediate, you know, retraction versus we really want them to come in and feel like you're, you're a good person to talk to, um, or at least connect with and that they don't have to feel, like they're going to get pitched or that they're going to regret hitting the accept button is really what it is. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. I use Canva and, and I'm not a technical person and even I can build a background in Canva. Canva Canva.com has all those pre-formatted things for social, including the LinkedIn background.
0: I use Canva. I'm like not gonna play in Photoshop. I'm not a graphic designer. Like I, I hired that out, or I do it myself in Canva, and it's fast too. It's very fast.
1: It is, and and you know, again, if I can use it, pretty much anybody alive can use it. So, yeah. it is, it is simple. What are the other uh, key points if somebody's trying to build uh, an attraction marketing style LinkedIn profile?
0: Yeah. And, you know, and this one often goes missed just because I I don't think people know it's available to them, but turning on creator mode makes a big difference. And so that is usually done in your profile. Um, It's a couple steps down, but you'll, you'll see some of the, the, I think it's three down actually. And then it's in that section. They keep changing it. But if you click, you'll see creator mode and you click on that and it'll allow you to turn on now if you have a certain number in your following or your connections like i think it's 500 now and you've been posting on linkedin then what linkedin will do when you turn on creator mode is that they'll give you linkedin live um they may give you linkedin newsletter and they right now they're they're definitely starting to give people the the linkedin the event audio piece which is really Mm -hmm. interesting i'm excited to see where that goes and then the other one is the following. And so the following button is like, so you go to some people's profile and you'll like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to connect with them. And like, uh, wah, wah. there's no connect button right there. It's a follow button. So they'll have to hit the follow button. You can find the connect button, but it's hidden. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that that's because they have creator mode on. And so creator mode is looking for followers rather than connections because right. they're creating They're content creators and content creators need. The following so that's a feature i think is really essential if you're building a brand and you're building an authentic persona is that you definitely want to you want to get those connections and get the get the ones that are ideal for you too don't just go and connect with anybody trust me i i'm backtracking on my very large following a lot because i'm like ooh, we need to room for the right people and so you guys can take my mistakes and not do them <laughs> and learn from me i'm really good at that by the way Especially with LinkedIn, I've done a lot of experiments gone wrong, but get the right following, get, get ideal clients, get like-minded colleagues because you're better off doing that. You're going to have better conversations and you're going to get more eyeballs on your content and your profiles and and all that good stuff. So, and then get your creator mode on.
1: Cool. So when you do your first live event on LinkedIn, Hmm? make sure I know about it because I want to come.
0: Oh, I got one. I got one for you. It's on my other profile. So I, I am doing one more. I'm <laughs> just giving like, I know. <laughs> well, it's got the good following. So it's, it's on, it's about LinkedIn too. And it's really just, it's, it's like LinkedIn labs is what it is. So every Friday and come on in for an hour, um, you register, you get the zoom link. And then we just, I just give you some tips on LinkedIn. You guys ask questions. And it's, it's all about, for me with this LinkedIn lab, I want to show people how to create opportunities on LinkedIn, because mm-hmm. there's so many ways to create opportunities. And it's not that I'm tired of hearing it. I just really, I get sad for everyone when they say, I can't get anyone to talk to me on LinkedIn. I can't get any potential clients. And I'm like, really? There are so many ways that you can do this. So that's there that's are. kind of what I'm helping them with. And and oh. it's like you and I talked about, It's it's all about the relationships.
1: That's what it comes down to. Danielle, this has been a blast. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share?
0: You know, I think that the last thing is, is just if you're going to do marketing, have fun with it. Like it doesn't have to be scary. Um, It doesn't have to feel like work. You can actually have a lot of fun with your marketing. And when you're having fun, it makes you more attractive. And so if we're talking attraction marketing, my number one tip would be have fun with it.
1: There you go. Show that passion. Danielle, thank you very much. Again, Danielle Clark, find her on LinkedIn. Her website is under construction, so I'm not going to aim you there. But again, thanks so much for, for coming in today.
0: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you, Mark.
1: And me, you. This is not my day job. As as we discussed during this, I advise companies on all aspects of social selling especially building a subject matter expert platform, leveraging content and LinkedIn. If that resonates, drop me a line, Mark Amtower at Gmail. And thank you very much for listening to Amtower Off-Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. just in. Reportedly, pigs can fly. <laughs> We're going live to...
0: Can't take another crazy headline? Well, here's something
1: you can appreciate. The My GM Rewards Card gives you best-in-class rewards with four points for every dollar spent everywhere and seven total points earned per dollar spent with GM, bringing you one step closer to a new GM ride. That's the power of appreciation
0: from us to you. Subject to credit approval, terms and limitations apply. Visit MyGMRewardsCard.com.